Hello, everyone. This is Vincent Pacillo, host of the MSU WMA podcast. We have another amazing episode planned for you today. We recently hosted Kay He. Kay worked on Wall Street for 15 years and was one of the youngest managing directors at BlackRock. He then went on to create his own blog called Rad Reads, which he's the founder and CEO. And he started this blog helping people to ask life's biggest questions. And the blog and newsletter are read by 30,000 leaders each week across countless industries. He's also the creator of the 10K work method and the creator of supercharger productivity. In today's conversation, we talked about how he created his blog, what went into creating his blog, his career in finance, productivity, and so much more. So stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone, to the MSU WMA podcast. I'm here with Kay He. Kay, thank you for coming on today. Vincent, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, and it's great to meet everyone. Yeah, of course. So let's kind of get started with um, with a little bit about your background. So um, how did you start um, out your career, and how did it pro- progressively get to where you are today? All right. So let's say I would start with just a very, very brief background. Um, I'm from New York City. I was born um, in New York City, child of first-generation Cambodian immigrants. And so a lot of my story is shaped by the fact that we kind of grew up lower middle class, um, but my, the central, central thesis for my parents was get these kids, i.e. me and my sister, no. all the opportunity in the world, make all the sacrifices for them through education so that my parents worked their butt off so that we could get good grades, go to good schools, and then, in theory, live a great life, right? Yeah. Kind of the theory was work, school, money kind of happiness. That was of kind of the, the, the playbook. And it's a very, very reasonable playbook. So I am a very diligent student. Um, when someone gives me directions, I follow them. And so um, I was an quote unquote easy kid for my parents. And I just followed that playbook, right? I got good grades in high school. I did all the extracurriculars. It was a huge nerd. Um, so not very cool. I didn't really like high school, but who does, right? Yeah, exactly. um, and I went to college. I majored in computer science. Uh, I graduated college in 2001 from Yale. And then uh, in 2001, banks were recruiting. They were like the biggest, this was before, just to put things in perspective, like Google barely had existed in 2001, right? right. There were no smartphones. There, there were definitely no smartphones. There were cell phones. Um, and we just, we transitioned from 28.8 modems to like T1 lines while I was in college. So yeah. like the, it was a very different world back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so the main employers were banks and consulting firms, especially at kind of these like fancy Ivy League schools. Yeah. So I got sucked into that. They're like, you can make more money in your first year than your dad. They didn't say this, but this is what they implied that, you know, that your dad made like in his 30th year. And I'm like, who wouldn't want to do that? Right. Isn't yeah. that part of the playbook? So I got roped into um, uh, investment banking mergers and acquisitions. Nice. I did that for a bit under two years and I didn't like it. And I changed jobs within finance. I kind of got off the analyst program. Mm-hmm. Uh, I then went into what was a smaller industry then called fund of hedge funds, where you kind of um, invest in uh, lots of hedge funds on behalf of like an endowment or insurance company or sovereign wealth fund. And actually that was a very sweet spot of my career. I did that for um, it's probably like 12-ish years. 
Okay. I had uh, at 35 years old, I had, you know, a, probably hopefully not a midlife, maybe like a third of a life crisis. Yeah. And I had had decent success. I was one of the youngest managing directors at BlackRock. Uh, I managed a team. I had autonomy, you know, I made good money. And I was like, is this it? Yeah. I'm like going through the motions of life and work in a very, very, very privileged and comfortable and secure life going through. And I'm like, I can't do this for the rest of my life. Yeah. That would be sad. I would, it would be sad to myself. Um, and so after some mulling over, I quit. Mm. Uh, I quit and I basically said, I'm going to take two years to figure out what I want to do what makes me happy. So to my yeah. parents' dismay, like they kind of got me to the place they, that they, you know, the, the, the apex of where they wanted me to go. Yeah. And I was like, peace, I'm out. Yeah. Um, and so then I went on this kind of personal discovery journey of like, well, what, what makes me happy? And can I make that work? And what kind of life do I want to live? And there's a lot of paths to unfold there. So I'll, I'll let you unroll them, but unfurl them. But effectively I started a blog an email newsletter called Rad Reads. Yeah. And that morphed into a bunch of different things like uh, life coaching, money coaching, um, online webinars and workshops. And it's really kind of found its niche now in with um, one of our flagship um, courses. So we teach a, a course on prioritization, goal setting, and time management uh, called Supercharge Your Productivity. And that's the core of our business. Very, very cool. So how, so kind of going off of the BlackRock experience that you had, how did that work go over transfer to the blog that you have now? Mm. Uh, zero. Okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I mean, that's, there's many layers to that question, right? Functionally, yeah. zero, right? Yeah. I didn't have an audience. I didn't know how to write. I mean, I mean, I knew how to write, but I wasn't a writer. Right. Um, I definitely didn't like know like social and you know, SEO and Google ads and sure. you know, that kind of stuff. So none of the like kind of top layer skills transferred over. But if you look below the surface, right? If you think of like, you know, those top skills being like the tip of the iceberg, if you look below, there's like a massive, massive chunk of ice that, that submerged. There was a lot of things that transferred over, right? I mean, mm -hmm. the first one was like my work ethic. Yeah, like uh, I read in a blog post or an email and newsletter for 322 consecutive weeks, spanning two moves and two kids. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. I showed up every day uh, or every week. Uh, so that was something that I had was you know quite quite regular. You know that was a skill or a a, a trait personality trait of mine. So that was one. Another was uh, being you know good at building relationships. Yeah. Um, yeah. called networking. I don't really like the word networking because it yeah. feels so icky and transactional. Totally. But networking, uh, building relationships with people who I was helping, who people could, you know, people could help me, mentor me. We could all kind of support each other, kind of finding your tribe. Yeah. That was something that, that um, really transferred over. A third one is, um, I guess, empathy. I know that sounds a little like, uh, yeah. you know, foo-foo-y as my <laughs> father-in-law would say, but you know, I was, I pride myself on being a good listener and like really kind of connecting with what people are trying to, to like truly share. And, um, I think that that was one of my strengths as a manager. And so that transferred over as a writer, because I think the best, especially when you write in kind of first person, like blogging type style, 
if you could, if the, the reader reads what you write and it's like, wow, that it's like that person is in my head or that this, this internet, I mean, I'm sure you've had that feeling when you've read something on the internet, you're like this person gets me. Yeah. Right. So those were, um, those were a handful of skills. There was also some other pragmatic skills. Like I was quite good at managing my own money, um, live like my cash flow is my income is so volatile. Mm. And so I, I like things like budgeting, things like, uh, you know, allocate, estimating your taxes, um, yeah. investing in your kids. Right. Like, um, I was very diligent about that. I, I, I think I viewed like man, money management and kind of the top of the iceberg to go back to our, our, our analogy, but those were a few that come to mind. That's awesome. And it's funny that you mentioned the the networking thing, because I was just filming a podcast with someone that they don't like the term networking either. They mm-hmm. like the term connection. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, like it's, it's all about making connections because like networking feels transactional, like exactly what you said. So um, so how did you end up starting the blog? Like, like walk us through that journey. Like how long did it take? How did you build your audience? All of that good stuff. Mm, well, it's, uh, it's still happening. So it's yeah. not done. <laughs> I, when I quit BlackRock, I had this little newsletter. So this was like uh, 2015 mm-hmm. and like six months before I quit, I started this newsletter, not because I, I, I knew I was going to quit, but it wasn't, it was just something fun. And I would basically, I love reading on the internet, just finding random articles, yeah. about all different types of t- topics. And I would pick five and I would send them to my friends with like a three sentence description of why I thought they should read them. Yeah. And you know, seven years later, six years later, everyone has a newsletter now. So it's kind of, but back then it was much less common for people to have a personal newsletter. Um, And so I would send it and especially a simple one like that. Lots of people do that type of email newsletter. Now it's, it's kind of, you know, Tim Ferriss does it and James Clear does some version of it. And again, you know, I stand on the shoulder of giants, but they, my friends liked it and they're like, this is so cool. Um, can you, can you, are you going to do it again? I'm like, ah, oh, I don't know. I just, this was kind of more like a one-off thing. I thought this yeah. was, and they kept, people kept saying like, can you do it again? So the thing that I realized is I liked finding the articles. I was going to read them anyway for myself. Yeah. And I liked the practice of writing the three sentence blurb because it kind of forced me to really crystallize. Like, do I understand what's happening here? Um, can I explain, I think one of the best tests of whether you understand something is if you can like communicate it effectively to someone else, Mm -hmm. uh, especially if it's a complex topic that you can communicate in simple terms. Yeah. So I started to that and that people were like, keep doing that. And I didn't think it was a business. I was just, it was like a fun side project. But when I quit, I, I basically said, so when I quit I had no plan. Like I literally had no plan. The only plan I had was my wife and I had looked at our bank account and we had said, this is the amount of money we're comfortable going to zero uh, for you to figure it out. And my wife's super cool and she trusts me and we were lucky we had saved some money. So it was like multiple years of, you know, 18 months to two years of money. Gotcha. And so then I'm just like, I want to do to go back to that work ethic point. It's like, I didn't want to just like smoke weed and, and watch Netflix. <laughs> like I wanted to do stuff. I just yeah. didn't want to do Wall Street stuff. And so I was like, well, let's see what happens when I just do stuff and maybe something will find me. Yeah. And so this newsletter became this little thing. It had 36 people the first time I sent it on like a Gmail BCC. Like it wasn't even on MailChimp or anything like that. I just sent this. Um, I was like, okay, well, I could make this a little better. Like it needs a name. 
so found the name rad reads um yeah. it's like a on homage to surf and skate culture um and the fact that i'm a kid from the 90s like the teenage mutant ninja turtles like yeah 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 so i'm like cool like that's fun but you know that's actually then i had to like go buy the domain and i'm like okay well if people are gonna sign up like they need to like sign up there needs to be a sign up form so then i needed to learn how to make a sign up form yeah and then i was like well what colors should i use because like you maybe want the colors to be the same on your sign up form as your email and then like well, what fonts do you, you know like yeah it just kind of like just kept like one thing kept leading to another and it was very i think this is something i really want to share with you and, and your listeners is that it was very motivated by like a true sense of curiosity and ease like mm. these things were just like finding me and and i would i spent like a week understanding the different like the difference between like different fonts and yeah i'm not a designer i never will be but i'm like this is kind of neat you know yeah and that's what i started to realize about this kind of online business was that every day that i was doing it i had to like solve a different little like mini challenge you know like like some of the ones i described to you like what's like how do i buy a domain somewhere more technical right but somewhere more nuanced which was like uh i don't know someone reached out to me and they're like we want to sponsor your newsletter so I was like, oh, like uh, how much, how much do I charge them? Like, you know, like yeah. it turns out there's a giant mark, there's a giant uh, economy of people who buy newsletter ads. I just wasn't privy to it, right? It wasn't my world, so I had to go learn about it. And I'm like using some of the relationship building. I'm like, hey, like you work at a media company. I'm like. 99% smaller than you, but like, yeah. how would I think about pricing an ad? And they're like, oh, it's like three cents per subscriber. I'm like, oh, okay, three cents oh, per well, subscriber, yeah. like. 300 bucks, right? Then you got to invoice someone. You're like, oh shit, do I have an invoicing system, right? Like, so I I really, like, it sounds, it's still happening now. Like just like, as these new things were happening, I was just kind of launching myself into them. And I I wouldn't say that all of them are fun, like paying your taxes and dealing with your accountant. Like it's not, it's not, not fun, but it's not fun. Right. But if something was really kind of bumping against me and it felt like laborious i was just like do i really need to do this like i actually did a podcast for a year and like towards the end i'm like it's kind of lost the magic right yeah just so i i stopped it i think it was i didn't have a team to support me so we could talk about that so yeah every with every iteration and then you, you just do that for seven years and like it's amazing how far it gets here yeah yeah. It's kind of like compound yeah, yeah. interest, right? Definitely. Most definitely. So, so you really ran like a one man show for like, the, like just doing everything for like the vast majority of the time. Correct. Uh, yeah. I'd say yeah. so uh, a year and a half ago, I hired a virtual assistant. Nice. Okay. So five years I was by myself a year and a half ago, I, I hired a virtual assistant. I would say that in the past two years, I hire a lot of like one man one person shop consultants sure yeah. so it's um so i hire a bunch of consultants but oftentimes they don't do the work for you they just show you how to do the work right um and then just on january 1st i'm bringing on two full-time employees Very um, cool. so we'll actually have a real company with like payroll and yeah. uh, benefits and vacation policies and all that stuff yeah no that's awesome so so can you tell us a little bit more about like you mentioned the sponsorships which is a perfect segue to this what what are like the sources of revenue for a blog like yours? It's yeah. like pretty much pretty virtual and stuff like that. Like, what does that look like? Yeah, and I mean, so I'll I'll disclaim by saying that there are uh, 
you know, a thousand different ways to, uh, to, to do this. So yeah. um, I would, uh, let's zoom it out to first principles, right? You have an audience, yeah. right? You have people who care about what you have to say. Yeah. And then you can monetize the, you can monetize it through a different, uh, a few different types of ways, right? So one obvious way is through their attention, which is like advertising. Sure. Um, I, I've dabbled with sponsorships, but it's very, that's a volume game. Like it's really like, they yes. don't really care that like, you know, smart people like Vincent read your newsletter. They're just like, show me the stats. Right. So yeah. it's a very cutthroat, um, almost like a mach machine, like type business. Sure. And you yeah. have to be really big. So that would be, uh, and then there's like more nuanced ways to do that. Like, you know, the way, uh, Instagram influencers will do mm -hmm. kind of paid paid sponsorships, like there, there's different ways to do that, but you're basically monetizing attention. Mm. Um, I've dabbled with that. I never did that because it, at the end of the day, it's a volume game. Uh, and that's just, that's a hard to, to game to play. Yeah. Uh, another way to monetize would be through um, selling time for money, selling services, right? So, yeah. you know, people read my blog and they're like, oh, I really vibe with this guy. I wonder if he can coach me or he can help my business or come speak at my company offsite or things like that. Yeah. Right. So that starts to become a lot more lucrative because depending on, you know, your audience, your experience, who likes you, you can start to charge. I mean, like if you write a book and it's like, it does pretty well, like you could charge 15, 20 grand for a talk. Mm. Right. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. But you got to like, it takes like four years to write a book. So. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that would be another way. I dabbled with that. And uh, for me, it was mostly through coaching. Okay. Uh, people gotcha. found me and they're like, wow, okay. Like, you know, I want to change jobs and I've seen what you did or I want, I saw how you started this blog. And so they basically pay you per hour, per month, some kind of retainer, but you're basically trading time for money. And it's mm -hmm. a very, very good life. The challenge with it, it just doesn't scale well. So like, yeah. if I wanted to take three months off over the summer, then like, I don't make money for three months yeah. um, in that model. Uh, the third way would be to monetize through kind of um, online digital through products, right? right? And so you could have like standard products like merch or, you know, water bottles or, you know, hoodies or things like that. Yeah. Um, or you could have digital products, which have much lower friction in delivery. Right. Where like I could, let's say I could create a course. I don't know. What's your, like, what's a passion project of yours? Like something, some random thing you're just like, you like to geek out to. Don't overthink um, it. I've like, I, something that I've always dabbled with is um, helping people buy cars. Cause I've, okay. I'm, 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 I'm a big car person. So like okay. I, and, and I've worked in the dealership. I worked at several dealerships over the past few years. So one of my goals, I've actually done this before too, is I've, want to help people like help people buy a car like through the, out the entire process educate them and like do everything for them pretty much so perfect. that they can save time and money so so perfect I, I example you could you're an expert or you know a lot about yeah. this field you're passionate about it you if you had an audience chances are you're writing about cars because you're interested in it and yeah you're good at it you could do like vincent's uh you know buy your dream car tutorial Right? Yeah, and you can yeah, just yeah. pre-record, you know, like simple, like uh, just this webcam, whatever, yeah. you know, series of videos, put them on some site like Gumroad. There's a bunch of like kind of paywall yeah. sites and just be like 99 bucks. Right. I gotcha. So that's, that's yeah. a digital product. And the beauty about digital products is, as I just shared in that example, 
you know, I mean, it's, it would be hard to create it, but it's not like impossible. The barriers right. to entry are quite low. The thing that would be challenging is if you don't have an audience, how are you going to, how will people find it? Right? Right. I mean, that's like right. a classic problem for a business. Like how will people find, you know, if you have 50 Thai restaurants in LA, how will people find, you know, the 51st Thai restaurant, right? Right. It's very yeah. competitive. So, <clears throat> but digital products are nice because once you create that, they have a marginal cost, <clears throat> excuse me, of zero. Yeah. Right. You could sell that product to 10 people or to a million people and it costs you the same. It costs you zero to, right. to, to deliver it to that millionth customer. So where we landed was we tried to do it that way. That model has some its own challenges where it's, um, you know, it's hard. It's actually hard to deliver a good experience to people at a yeah, high price point. Right. Um, and then things like production quality and so on start to matter. So we found a hybrid between services and yeah. pre-recorded videos or time for money and pre-recorded videos was we found this productivity course that we teach live every four months. Yeah. And we supplement it with a bunch of like digital stuff, like digital communities and pre-recorded videos and templates, things like that. We didn't invent this model. Like lots of people have right. done this model for a while, but it really worked for us. Yeah. And so now we teach it's the they call them today cohort-based courses. So like we open our next cohort, you know, version nine on January 20th. And so you'll come in, you'll have like two weeks to sign up to buy the course. And then we take you through a five-week course, we do all this stuff. And then the course ends and you get to keep all these resources and there's all these support groups. And, you know, we, we charge like thousands of dollars for that. Yeah. Uh, so we don't have, we don't need to sell, you know, the first example is like competing for attention. We don't need to sell to millions. If we're selling a thousand dollar product, you know, we could sell it to hundred, hundred people. And that's a pretty good business right there. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's where we landed and that's uh, the current business model right now. But, you know, the cool thing about small, nimble, self-funded, right? We didn't, this is all funded from our own profitability right. is that we're not beholden to any investors. Um, so yeah. we, we can kind of pivot quite quickly if, you know, COVID, you know, Omicron, whatever, like we, we can like really change things up quite quickly than like, you know, uh, Goldman Sachs or something. Yeah, definitely. So perfect segue into the next question. Why? So your blog is based on productivity, correct? Yeah. It's a little so, bit more nuanced, but yeah, that's a fair starting point. Yeah. So, so what, like, what makes productivity for you so important? And like, mm. what are like the kind of key principles that you teach your audience about it? Yeah. Okay. That's a, so, so I think <laughs> productivity, um, I can answer that in two parts. Like, how do you, why is it so important and how does it, um, you know, how, how do you teach your audience how to do it? So right. the first part, why is it important? Productivity has, um, it, it's really like, um, it's really a very, um, it's kind of a false placeholder for a lot of things, right? Sure. Because yeah. everyone wants to be more productive. But if I ask you, Vincent, why do you want to be more productive? Like, really? Yeah. Why do you want to be more productive? What would you tell me? So I can get more stuff done in a shorter period of time. And, but I'd take, I'd push you a step further. If you got more stuff done in a shorter period of time, why is that important? What would happen? I would have more time. I'd have more time okay. to do like stuff that I want, like in my okay. free time or something like that. Yeah. So you'd have more free time, right? Yeah. Right. Got it. And so there's another question. It's like, well, why don't you have free time now? That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm not managing my schedule as well as I could have. I mean, yeah. That, that's definitely something for me personally. And so, 
so it's kind of like it's funny it's like um and you could take it a step further like what's the importance of free time and yeah. you know you might say like free time makes me happy or free time makes me a better friend or spouse or partner and then you can kind of see like let's just say free time um makes you a better parent that's a very sure. common one um then you're like you want to be more productive to be a better parent like by the way there's a lot of ways you can be a better parent without like better time management right like you could yeah. be uh, more present around them you could be less angry when they yeah. make a mistake you could um make certain sacrifices like that you don't love to make right like there's like five french fries left and you're still hungry you could be like you hey kid you have the five french fries i know that your happiness is more important than my happiness right, right. so it's it's funny so you start with this question of like productivity but downstream some bigger bigger life questions so so we really our course is really that's why when you said it you, you write about productivity it's like yes but or yes and right right we really go like two or three layers deeper the desire to be more productive because that that's that that can become a prickly question you know some people land on like the fear of death like there's not enough time it's like we're right. gonna die soon like right some people land like there's um scarcity mindset like you know the sh next shoe's gonna drop so i need to like hoard you know things hoard de right. degrees hoard money so um so that's why productivity is important to me and you could actually do this with like careers you could be like well why is a career important right people like oh because i want to make money it's like well why is it important to make money because like, i want to right he's gonna come back i want to be a good dad right and you'd be like is making money and be, is making money and being a good dad directly correlated and you're like it starts to the, the argument starts to weaken a little bit and yeah we what our blog does is really push people and be like okay like careful to just like try to squeeze out five more minutes out of the day. Like if you yeah. really want to be a better dad, like there's a whole new landscape of like being a better dad. Um, so in terms of how we, uh, how we uh, uh, encourage, I mean, we, we spend so much time teaching this, but I would say that the, the biggest thing that we do is um, we try to get people to look for impact in what they do. Yeah. find like leverage like you guys are financial uh oriented Correct. so find leverage in what they do so for example like you might um simple example networking example someone might you, your car thing like people say like your friends probably say like hey i want to buy a car like uh should i go to a dealer or should i go to carmax or like should i put more money down on a lease or less money down or should i buy and finance it like they probably ask you all these questions yep simple way to get leverage would be what if you wrote a google doc that's like Vincent's FAQ on a new car buy. Yeah. You just wrote a Google doc and all you did was take the questions that people have asked you about the years over yeah. the years, plus the questions that you might encourage them to ask themselves. Right. And anytime someone asks you that question, you just send them the Google doc. Yeah. Think of the leverage there. Right. And you'd be get, delivering them a better experience. Right. Cause it's more thorough. Then you just like riffing like yeah today i feel like this is the right tip and you know yesterday i felt like this is the right tip you'd be doing it in a way that is like more organized right so you actually spend a little time organizing your ideas and you'd be doing it in a way that is way more scalable because you in theory like if they weren't your friends they were your acquaintances like you didn't you wouldn't have 30 minutes to get on the phone with each of them you could be like you know i can't speak to you for 30 minutes right now but I actually have this guide for you that you should check out. And if you have any questions, like I'll have you to email them, right? Yeah. So that's a very, very simple like leverage. That's a little like piece of leverage right there. Yeah. And you could find that anywhere, right? You could find that in um, 
you know, um, the way you tell your story, right? Like the way right. that I introduce myself, or you could find that in the way that you, um, a, a graphic that you might use to, to describe, you know, your business, or you might find that in um, culture, right? Like Amazon's very good. They, they repeat the same words over and over. He always says it's day one, it's day one, it's day one. That's leverage, right? Because people are like, it's like a hundred thousand person company. And they're like, we got to run like a startup, right? Think about the leverage in the phrase, it's day one, which Jeff Bezos says over, right. over and over again. So if you just learn to find these like amplifying forces throughout all your activities or as many of them as you can, you just amplify yourself. And then all these other things that you want, being a better dad, having more free time, being happier, well, then you'll have more space for that. Yeah, awesome. Great stuff. Well, Kate, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate your time. Oh, my pleasure, Vincent. This has been awesome. And thank you to all your listeners for, uh, for hearing my story. Of course, of course. If you like what you just heard, please like, comment, and share. This is Lance Mullen, producer of the MSU WMA podcast. MSU WMA, or Michigan State University Wealth Management Association, is a student organization part of the Eli Broad College of Business located in East Lansing, Michigan. Our mission is to inspire and educate the next generation of financial planners. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed, please check out our channel on all platforms such as Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And check out our social media at MSUWMA and MSUWMA.com. Mm-hmm.